This is Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies your tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mum! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open-plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. Welcome to Linux In-Laws Season 2, Episode 3. Martin, how is the world treating you? Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could be a very long answer. Very long answer. Let's keep it short, Martin. Let's keep it short. short. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I reckon, let me put it this way, the Wusser household is still in, in existence. Water yeah. flows, yeah. electricity yeah. is still there because otherwise you wouldn't be recording this episode. Indeed. If if I was living anywhere else in the country, I'd probably water exactly. would flow in, inside my living room. <laughs> We're, we're, we're okay where we are. Yeah. Okay, so it's still living the high life on the hill. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay. <laughs> What about yourself? What about yourself? Can't, can't, Martin can't really complain. Uh, okay, we're recording yes. this in the September of 2027. <laughs> Germany has been flooded once again with mm. high levels of water. Only Frankfurt remains above sea levels. Then no, you have some some other country that's that's some splinter country called Bavaria that's kind of hilly. No, 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 no. No, this is called the Netherlands, Martin. You see. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sure you've got this. This uh, people walk around in lederhosen and stuff in, in Bavaria. What, what does that have to do with? <laughs> and drink beer all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's a popular misconception. <laughs> but they have hills, don't they? <laughs> I thought. Yeah, but you see, technically, uh, they are only part of Germany. Uh, Germany technically. Yes, I know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's pretty much like Birmingham and the rest of the UK. Uh, sorry, the rest of England. Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to say Cat I mean. Catalonia or something. <laughs> <laughs> but this is not a, a podcast about Bavaria or Catalonia or the UK, but rather about open source concepts and projects and all the rest of it. So, Martin, mm. why don't you get us going? All right. On tonight's well, episode, right. as in topic of the episode. Uh, tonight's topic is real-time Linux. So, Excellent, Martin. So what exactly is real-time? Well, this is a good question. <laughs> because as usual, yes. As, as, uh, well done. <laughs> um, no, it, uh, depending on who you ask, you get a different answer. So Very much um, so, especially. Yeah. I mean, if you ask a woman what's a man like, <laughs> you get a different answer than if you ask a man what's a man like, right? I mean, what describes a man? Let's put it this way. Hmm. A man will probably say a body, somebody who's able to able to drink beer, lots of it, drive a car, probably not in that order, maybe the other way around, and looks after his mates. Whereas a woman may have a totally different perspective on manhood. Yeah. And vice versa. 
probably it's very true, but then that will be something for a psychology podcast. <laughs> yes, which we won't go into. So, Mark, anyway. why don't we kind of set the scene on a very abstract level? What actually is real? What real time really is? Hmm. Uh, let me throw my two cents into the ring. Okay. The real time system basically guarantees things. Okay. And what kind of things? As in that a certain task is executed until a certain deadline. And a hard real-time system actually considered, considers it to be a failure if that, if that principle is violated. Imagine uh-huh. a... Well, uh, before you carry on there, yes. what, what, what do you mean by hard real-time system versus a There's software? also a soft real-time system. Mm. A soft real-time system, actually, if you, if you press it hard enough, you'll leave dents <laughs> in it. Okay. Whereas a hard real-time system, you, it doesn't matter how hard you push it, there will, mm. be, don't, there will be no dents on the surface. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> Doesn't sound very much like software, but there we go. <laughs> see, carry on, this carry is, on. This is, this is the beauty of software. It comes in many shapes and disguises. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, now going back to long forgotten old, old university days, I mean, the way I mm-hmm. learned it, and I reckon that's still true in, the modern, in modern times, a hard real-time system, basically. If you violate a deadline... In terms of a task, telling the operating system that I have to be finished by then and then, if you violate that deadline, because some other tasks prevent this in terms of still the CPU, still the core, that sort of thing, and mm-hmm. the original task cannot finish its work, that's considered to be a system failure. Like, for example, the operating system of a pacemaker, because if a pacemaker doesn't function anymore, the person carrying it is pretty much dead. or any other medical system also applies. Soft real-time systems on the other side do tolerate that deadline violation. Mm. Imagine a video or an audio system. If you miss a chunk of audio, you will probably hear a glitch, but the world doesn't stop turning. Same goes for video. If you miss a frame, and we are looking at today's games with 50 frames, 60 frames per second, Martin will go into the details because he's the it's gamer between the two, two of us. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> if you miss a frame or two, you will hardly, you yeah. being a human, will hardly notice this. So this is a software time system because the world doesn't stop turning if you violate that deadline. Yeah, I mean, the deadline point is a, is an interesting point. I mean, that's, that's I mean, it's not specific in a way to uh, real time. Every operating system has a has, has deadlines and schedulers. Um, but I guess you, what the, the difference is the guarantees here that we're trying to yes. point out, right? Yeah. I mean, this is exactly the difference between a real time system and a non real time system. Non real time systems, like traditionally Linux systems, do it on a best effort basis. So you divvy up the available CPU slices, as in the, the bandwidth that, that the cores give you in your laptop, desktop, what have you, between the different tasks as they appear. Additional Linux slash Unix systems have a so-called NAS value. Details may or may not be in the show notes, or will be in the show mm-hmm. notes. It's straightforward, actually. A NAS, a NAS value is essentially a priority that is used by the standard scheduler that the kernel, and I, we will explain what a kernel is in a second, that is used by the kernel to execute a certain process or task, for want of a better expression. Of course, a process does consist of the, of individual threats. For the purpose of this discussion, I'm tempted to say a process is a set of threats that have 
a certain priority attached to them. No, Martin, what is an operating system kernel? That's the bit that does all the work. It puts the, uh, uh, what's his name, the, um, God, this is a long time ago, the operations <laughs> on the CPU, the right? <laughs> it, it controls the um, the CPU cycles. Uh, yes, a, a very... Instructions, there we go. Yes, yes. a very, a very politically incorrect description, and this is what I heard <laughs> way, 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 way back when the PC police wasn't around, but I'm tempted to say, to quote this regardless, because people, we are explicit at the end of the day. Mm. An operating system is pretty much like your housewife or the man of the house that does all the chores, like mopping the floor, getting the groceries in, making sure that the heat is on. Executing tasks. Exactly, and the bills bills are paid. Exactly, that's that's exactly it. So if you you have the notion of of an operating system, like Mm -hmm. the GUI, the applications that come with it, and some other bits and pieces, the kernel is actually the underlying layer that marries the hardware with the upper layers. Mm. Like the like the like the graphical user interface, which is more often than not used these days for operating systems, like your bash, like your command line interface, that sort of thing. But works in the background, and that's exactly what Martin just rightly described about a minute ago. It takes care of scheduling tasks or processes on the CPU, allocates memory, deallocates memory controls yeah. access to hard drives, printers, and what have you. And needless to say, also manages devices. Network, yeah. network devices. Exactly. That's exactly it. And for the purpose of this discussion, one of the more important traits of an operating system is actually the ability to schedule tasks and also to implement certain scheduling policies mm-hmm. in terms of how these tasks, based on certain constraints, and priorities, as I just explained, it would be one of them I executed. Yeah, because on your typical system, there are many, many different processes running and they can't all run at the same time. Right? That's just... So that's the current scheduling, Indeed. Exactly. Hmm. So, okay. So what, what else is there to say about real-time systems? <laughs> well, <laughs> Not much, right? Thank you for listening. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of the night. Well, I'm joking. Yeah, we can talk about some of the... Um, uh, the key features, I guess, of a, of a real-time, in this case, Linux, but it doesn't necessarily have to any real-time operating system. Right? Right, yeah. we'll, obviously, we'll focus on Linux today. We yeah. are Linux podcast, no? Well, we are an open-source podcast anyway, but anyway. Yeah. Should we mention preemption then? <clears throat> we should, Martin. Okay. Give it a go? Well, we just did. <laughs> <laughs> so preemption, there you have it. <laughs> no preemption. Every modern Indeed. operating system uses preemption. Essentially, preemption is the capability of a task preempting another one. So, in a very high level description, the way all preempting kind of interrupting, right? Exactly. Yeah. All modern operating system work, and this also is true for Windows. Mac OS because underneath there's all there's a BSD personality running on a on a micro on a microkernel called Mac, but that also goes for mainframe operating systems like ZOS and anything mm-hmm. in between. You have essentially a clock that is able to generate a so-called interrupt that 
as the name implies, interrupt the flow of control within within a normal operational cycle. Now, this interrupt is handled by a so-called interrupt handler. Pun intended. Mm -hmm. This interrupt handler essentially checks in collaboration with the scheduler, I'm losing Linux now as an example, if the current task has already used up its CPU slice as in the amount of time that the kernel has allocated to executing it. And if that's the case, the control goes to a different process as in task. If that's not the case, the car, the task or the process can continue working. That's preemption for you. Um, yeah, but I, I, this, uh, I mean, the whole point of interest is also to give, give higher priority processes, um, kind yes. of preference as well, right? Um, like your, your, your mouse movements or whatever, or, the, uh, any, anyway, anything with a higher priority to be able to interrupt something that is mm. lower priority. Um. Yeah. Okay. What else should we? We should talk. We should probably talk about scheduling algorithms. Okay. So if if you can't get to sleep, people, now is the time to really <laughs> to really pay attention because you will be asleep within the next five seconds. I, actually, before we go into the chattering <laughs> piece, um, at a at a kind of sort of uh, more higher level, what kind of real time? Uh, Linuxes are there. We should probably shelve that question until we have laid the, for the, the theoretical foundation for the discussion. You think? Okay. Uh, it, this makes, well, this is basically what the script says that marketing sent to me this ah, afternoon. Did they? You know. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> you didn't hire them again, did you? <laughs> well, actually, you're not supposed to know this BS, but yes, I did. Or somebody else did anyway. <laughs> Okay, Marketing people, if you're listening, the, the, the pink slips will be on their way because as soon as Martin finds <laughs> yeah. out that we have a marketing department, you're pretty much gone. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so now's yeah, the time yeah, to take a look at Monster, uh, LinkedIn. If I mean, if anybody kind of reaches out for new positions, people go for it, just in case. Mm. I can recommend Indeed as well in Germany. I think that's quite big, isn't it? Martin, you know more <laughs> than I do. I mean, anyway, that's better. Okay. Oh, yeah, you'll be <laughs> Yeah, different scheduling algorithms. So okay. we just we, we just have touched upon NAS values. Yes. Um uh, the original sys the original Unix system deployed uh, deployed a multi-level round robin scheduler. I won't go into the details because uh, in that case you won't be asleep on five seconds, but rather in two. Suffice it to say there are a couple of kind of schedulers, and I'm simplifying things now, details for the so inclined will be in the show notes, because as I said, we want to keep you awake until the boxes, if not further than that. The idea is essentially you have a round-robin scheduler that simply asks the task in a round-robin fashion, or that gives, or that allocates CPU slides to, to tasks in a round-robin fashion. There's always some, there's also something called LIFO, uh, sorry, FIFO, as in first in, first out. Mm-hmm. Some operating systems, depending on the nature of the operating system, also do it the other way around, as in last in, first out, depending. Mm. But sometimes you will find different scheduling algorithms. For example, in the area of real-time operating systems, you have a scheduler called earliest deadline first. Now, why is that important? As the name implies, a real-time system has one important feature. It guarantees, especially a hard real-time system, that a certain task is executed by a defined deadline. And hence, these earliest deadline first in terms of if there's a task that 
has to be that has to finish earlier than the current one running, the this task can preempt the currently running one. Hmm. What, what do you have two, two, two of those tasks? I don't want... Well, they compete, right? <laughs> okay, fair enough. This, this <laughs> but, uh, where, how, this, how are you going to guarantee the deadline? In? This, this, is, this, is where, this is where nanosecond <laughs> clock, clocks resolution come, come, come into play. Sorry, okay. nano, na, nanosecond resolution clocks come into place because in that case, the kernel can take an educated call. No jokes aside. It really depends on the use case. I mean, if you have a robot that is, say, a robot that is putting together cars, mm. a couple of milliseconds don't, don't matter because if you stop the motion a millisecond earlier or later, it doesn't matter. So I would even go as far as, as describing this as software system. But on the other side, if you're running a pacemaker, every, well, I reckon you will get away with a millisecond. But if you're running some medical imaging system, or if you're running a, uh, what's it called, Martin? Large Hadron Collider, right? Where nanoseconds do count. Your your uh, your financial training bot that's going to be more <laughs> fairly. Well, uh, sure, yes, if you're into uh, high frequency training. Uh, yes. <laughs> Forget about all this every, medical stuff. Every, every nanosecond does count. Uh, yeah. So, no, this is actually so. This is this is precisely how 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 um, EDF schedulers work, and mm. uh, they, although this may really sound theoretical, actually, when it comes down to real time Linux, they are actually used because that's essentially, for example, what these approaches to real time Linux actually use under the hood. And now, Martin, we're actually getting to the projects. Uh, okay, well, I've got a few more questions on the oh, technical, um, technical side. The answer to your first one would be 50, <laughs> sorry, 34, 22, 21, 15, 12, 5, Something 7, else is and normally 8. 42, isn't it? But, yeah, no, 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 no. These will be the... Oh, these are the lotto numbers. Okay, exactly. But we got a leaf. And any particular year? Or... Exactly. <laughs> we, but we got to leave the week and the year open. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I see. That's not any very other helpful. questions, Martin? <laughs> I suppose you could just repeat the same numbers for the next 10 years. <laughs> In different sequences, yes. I don't know. Anyway, uh, okay. Uh, Jokes uh, aside. Hmm. Um, yeah, so, so what other kind of uh, uh, attributes does a, um, uh, a real-time kernel need to have, right? Predictability probably comes in, comes in first, in terms of it can... Well, what about memory as well? It's there for the taking. Yeah, well, you don't, don't you want to guarantee that you have that memory for its duration rather than, you know, for, uh, normal Linuxes so potentially could get swapped out to disk, right? All those kind of things. Well, you see, this is basically why you put it into a castle that is surrounded by a mold. And you got this castle actually with <laughs> crocodiles and sable toothed tigers and all the rest of it. No, Martin has raised a very important point. You, what, you wanted, what you don't want to do is actually swap the memory in and out for a real-time task that has a hard deadline because that will introduce non-predictability because any swapping activity, as in where the kernel takes a a page of memory or a couple of pages and swaps this out to disk and back, that introduces additional latency. And that's exactly what you don't need in a real-time system. So 
normally what, what real-time systems guarantee is that they actually lock the memory pages in, in main memory so that mm -hmm. no swapping takes place. Excellent. That sounds good. Um, what about something like CPU pinning and stuff like that? Is that also uh, an attribute for... Uh, normally not, because real-time systems do make the assumption that all cores are equal. But, of course, with the advent of low-energy cores, that has changed. Mm, yes, what if you have to wake it up first? That would be... Um, it, it, well, you see, low-energy cores, yes, um, can be woken up, but also, as the name implies, do probably do run on a lower CPU frequency. Mm, and that, again, ha in, in that, and that induce, it introduces another level of determinism in terms of not all cores are clocked equally. So that's another level of complexity because if you have some cores that, that run at frequency X and then the rest of the cores mm -hmm. run at frequency Y, that makes predictability a bit, a bit hard. Yeah, yeah. So in that case, you probably wouldn't use a real-time kernel on a... 64 core ARM <laughs> architecture that has low energy cores, pretty low energy cores, energy saving cores, and death cores, or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. As in cores that don't do, sorry, lazy cores, as in cores that don't do any work at all. Mm. Yet, yet to be invented. Unlimited, <laughs> if you're listening, you heard it here first. If, if you want to go for this, that's a patent mm. violation. You want to send a mail to yeah. and Linux in-laws before you do this. That's yeah, so interesting. In interesting concept. Yeah, this, this, uh, put a few thousand in there just to half of them not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Very power be, efficient as well. This would be unionized cause, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, people, if you're listening, that's the next big thing: unionized cause in your in your ordinary kind of laptop or, or desktop. Yeah. Not doing much, but just rather taking it easy. Unions, if you want to get in touch for the correct for for the politically correct version of this, the the email address is feedback at linuxinlaws.eu. Yes. Okay, back to the issue at hand. Uh, yeah, which was um, so we covered we... memory, okay, we covered yeah. preemption, we covered tasks, we covered CPU cores. What else is there? Okay. I o I O devices. Yes. yes. Well, what about I O devices? They, they're see, just I O devices are, uh, yes, uh, yes, they do, but I O devices can be bitches. Why? Uh, because they produce many interrupts. <laughs> uh, they give you false promises exactly. Hmm. Well, but yeah, that doesn't really. I mean, imagine your ordinary uh, hooker on a decent weekend. I mean, she looks great, but in the morning, you re you are really wondering why you spent all that money on her or him or whatever. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a very expensive <laughs> evening out. All <laughs> night. Anyway, let's um, let's not go there. To, what, what, well, actually, kids, if you're listening, this was a joke, right? <laughs> you're not supposed to mingle with hookers unless you really want to. And get permission mm. from your parents first, just in case. Good anyway, idea. no joke, jokes aside. I mean, what happens if you want to access a disk? Uh, you tell the disk controller, and this is a bit technical now, so stay awake, people. You you tell the disk controller now, I need this in this block. Okay, in the old if you're days, where, ways, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly in the olden days yeah. where you had spinning rust in terms of you had a disk of metal spinning mm. in a drive, the controller, maybe also the operating system, would have. A rough idea where the head on the disk is, and if the head is not on the corresponding track where the data is, how to get there. 
But again, that would introduce a certain level of non-deterministic behavior because rather in the worst case, you would have to travel the whole disk in order to get to the data. Especially if if an operating system does frequent disk accesses and is running low on in-memory cache. Yeah, I mean, any um, <clears throat> I, I, I kind of imagine any real-time operation doesn't involve any spinning disks or any disk at all. To be honest, but yeah. that's exactly that's the reason the, uh, why considerable level level different level of latency, right? With, um, for... That's precisely the reason why you why you normally tend to keep I/O to an absolute minimum in real-time systems because you do not need that non-deterministic behavior. Hmm. But this is this the difference. Even um, you know, uh, <clears throat> RAM has a higher latency than your than your uh, CPU cache, right? So it's yeah. If you're gonna talk about nanoseconds, yes. then you wanna correct. Uh, on, yes, reduce all these kind of things. Um, exactly. But the good news is basically that um, hard real-time systems. Uh, I mean, especially kind of in medical situations, industrial situations, basically pro mo mostly go down to the microsecond level. So, yes, uh, cache misses come into play, but more often than not, especially if you're doing if you're dealing with mechanical arms like robot arms, you mm. can deal with a couple of microseconds of delay here and there. Uh, well, it depends how fast these robots are, right? Um... Uh, correct. I mean, if you wanna, if you if you're gathering data from a large hadron collider, that's probably not the way to go, because mm. if you miss that window, yep. a couple of millions, just as in euros or dollars, just went down the drain. Yeah, I think the uh, I can't remember what the resolution is on that thing, but it's it's definitely less than a millisecond. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> anyway. You don't have that much time to collect that data exactly. Uh, uh, um, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So. Right. You were going to talk about some of the distributions. Well, there are kind of two important projects, right? Uh, there's something called RT Linux that goes back to the early 2000s, which is a very interesting project, actually, because, uh, again, we'll, links will be in the show notes. Some people came up with the idea, okay, <clears throat> we have an Linux kernel that is by its very nature then we're talking about about 20 years back now, mm. not none, which doesn't exhibit a real-time behavior. So what we're going to do, essentially, we're going to give it a microkernel as in a stripped-on version of the Linux kernel called RT-Core, which, which is actually capable of handling real-time tasks. And consider the on your Linux kernel mm. as the stuff that is not capable of real-time, just as an idle task. So any task that has real-time requirements is executed by the RT core, and then any task that has not that has no real-time requirements is executed by the ordinary Linux kernel. Okay. Project, um, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah so, so essentially it's uh, uh, we're saying it's it's a microkernel uh, on top of the normal one, or is it is it some patches to the, the standard kernel? Uh, well, the implementation is straight. Is I wouldn't say straightforward, but essentially mm -hmm. what you're doing, you are, are 
implementing the microkernel functionality as part of modules that pretty much take over the Linux kernel. Okay. As a standard yeah. one. So yeah. using a kind of uh, probably not um, optimal picture as an, as an architecture, by, by loading these modules, the microkernel lives somewhat underneath the uh, normal Linux kernel, and any task running on RT core is actually is able to preempt any other task depending on its characteristics. So this RT core is, is able to give you a hard real-time behavior in terms of a hard real-time system. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a similar one uh... That's called Zenomai or something like that, isn't it? That's, yes, links uh, with the show notes. Mm. Again, I mean, there have been quite a few projects that have attempted to introduce real-time behavior into the kernel, ranging from art, uh, from from Articore to Xiaomi mm. or whatever it's called. Pronunciation is is off. But mm. Again, these are within the show notes to something called preempt RT, which we we'll, which we'll cover in a minute. But essentially, all the the idea behind behind all these modifications to the kernel was to introduce at least soft, if not hard, time behavior to the kernel. Yeah, which, true, true. which wasn't Linus's intention when he started to write Linux uh, Linux about almost thirty years ago, mm -hmm. uh, more than thirty years ago, actually, because we're recording this in twenty twenty four. So uh, he had this kind of generic operating system in mind that would just do round-robin scheduling, what have you, pretty much emulating, I'm tempted to say, the traditional Unix behavior with no hard, with no mm. behavior in mind. Yeah. But then people discovered the very nature of this truly great open-source project, and as you can do with open-source software, started oh. to modify it. And that's exactly how Articore... And and some other technologies came into play a couple of years later. As hmm. I said, articles the the first patches and again details will be in the show notes. The first patch for Articore appeared appeared around two thousand and four, so about twenty years ago. It's GPL two licensed. The people tried to monetize this with the company that okay. was bought later on by Intel, and the original Articore implementation has fallen a little bit to the wayside, but then later on, people came up with a truly real-time patch for the for the kernel itself, which is called preempt underscore RT, that was somewhat influenced by Articore in terms of you still have your original Linux kernel, but you don't have a separate microkernel implemented by modules, but rather what you do is actually enhance the name patch. You mm. modify any behavior in the kernel that is in the way of real-time handling a task in accordance mm. to a real-time guarantee. So what this preempt, and hence the name RT patch does, is it introduces an awful lot of preemption points in the kernel where the kernel itself can be interrupted. Mm-hmm. Now, in normal Linux, and again, I'm greatly simplifying things, normally you cannot interrupt the kernel if you're not an interrupt yourself. Because once you're in the kernel, as in if an application does a kernel mm, application, yeah. like it wants to write a block to a disk or something like that, you normally cannot interrupt this kernel function unless you are time interrupt. 
or a disk interrupt or an I.O. interrupt, but that is handled by the kernel itself. So from an application perspective, once you're in the kernel, that's it. But this preempt RT does exactly introduce a certain set of additional preemption points where actually the kernel itself can be interrupted. So that allows hard, I'm almost trying to say hard real-time behavior to be implemented in the, kernel, in the Linux kernel by introducing additional preemption points, but also introducing additional semantics with regards to, for example, locking and other functionality. Again, we won't go into the details because that's all on web pages and man page and all the rest of it. So mm. we're going to leave it at that level uh, because the details are quite technical. But suffice it to say, this is basically how this patch, and this patch mm -hmm. is quite comprehensive, if you take a look at the kernel sources, this is how this patch achieves this. By, and it's also yes. used by Red Hat and Ubuntu real-time, the, the, that yes, preemptive patch, right? Too. Exactly. And mm. that's a very interesting point because these two projects that you just mentioned, and you mm. probably being the most prominent one, I'm tempted to say, because Canonical has a product out there called, what's it called? Ubuntu Software Real-Time or something like this. Again, details within the show notes. Ubuntu Real-Time, yeah. yeah. Ubuntu Real-Time, exactly. These, this patch hasn't been introduced or is slowly introduced in the kernel mainline. What these two companies actually, what, you, what these two companies actually have done is they have introduced that patch behavior as part of their own kernel spins. Mm -hmm. As probably many of you listeners do know, Red Hat and Ubuntu take the generic kernel and patch it themselves. And that's exactly how they introduce these yep. this real-time behavior. Mm -hmm. So if anybody is still awake, <laughs> maybe? <laughs> I, th I think maybe they would like to know what they can do with it. <laughs> yes, use it. Simple. <laughs> Well, no, are, are, are they going to build their own base I mean, it really depends on the use case. I mean, yeah. if you want to go for home automation, you may have a use case with kind of controlling some time-sensitive equipment in your home, like your low-orbit iron cannon. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> Details, of course, may not be in the show notes. No jokes aside. I, I, mean, I think milliseconds are probably okay for that one. <laughs> <laughs> if, you need, if you need precise timing for some devices... And I'm just using that Canon as a, an example not to be repeated in home kids because you're dealing with trained professionals here. So don't use a low oven iron Canon at home. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, no jokes aside, but, but I mean, if, if you have some other equipment that needs, that, that needs real-time behavior, uh, you want to probably do your own spin or, yes, or just use some of the existing projects. But I reckon the real value is actually in the industrial applications or medical applications or even physics physics that needs that, that, that sort of real-time behavior. Well, I still think the trading bots is the best example. The what? <laughs> the trading bots. Eh? The trading bot, yes. yes. So if you go for high-frequency high frequency trading, um, doing Bitcoin or some other stuff, you want to make sure that your architecture not, is not just using dark fiber, but also real-time behavior. Mm. Indeed. Yeah, you don't want your uh, your cat video to interrupt you. <laughs> Important. Uh, no. <laughs> and you don't want to have your billions disappear. Sam, if you're listening. Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> a freak, man. <laughs> anyway, okay. Is there anything else that we should discuss before we go to the boxes? I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, 
what, where do we see this going this real time Linux? World domination. As you okay. Uh... I mean, that falls in line with the usual Linux approach, no? As an open source. Well, um, actually, uh, is there any specific hardware required for this? Uh, yes. As I said before, you want to rely on standard industrial hardware that has a unique, sorry, that has a common characteristic, of course, because as soon as you use any of this low energy nonsense, you have non-deterministic behavior introduced in your architecture because some of the cores are running at lower speed, some of the cores are running at a standard speed, some of the cores are running at a higher speed. So the more What's what I'm looking for? Coherent, the characteristic of the cores are the better, unless your kernel, heavily modified, I reckon, can deal with that. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So the the message is, people, just go back about forty years, buy that kind of buy this legacy PCAT running an 8086 on eBay, not just by one, but rather by 100. Don't, and don't worry about the energy consumption. And just mm. make sure that you have put a sign on your door and that says, Mr. Great, uh, Greta Thunberg, stay out of here. As in, you're not allowed <laughs> in here. So, and, and Because, I mean, these processors yeah. do not have multiple cores. They have just a single core, and that's it. And that's exactly what you want in terms of an ultimate predetermined deterministic behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. Or simply buy one of the older Intel SMP systems. That don't worry, yes, before that don't the, worry uh, about uh, energy the, crap. The power sort of usage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Very good. I think that's probably covers about it. On to the boxes, Mr. Visser. What's your box? Yes, my box is a series called The Class of 909. Um, which is ah, this is about... your class, right? As a nineteen, as a nineteen oh nine. No, no, because no. <laughs> it does it does feature um, uh, the okay. FBI, which I was never in. And... Ah, <laughs> fully disclosure, people, Mister Vincent was never part of the FBI. Any rumors? Uh, no, I just lies. <laughs> <laughs> I think you probably have to be born in America to be part of the FBI. Anyway, um, who knows? Who knows? This is I the theory, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. It seems fun so as well, but it's it's uh, it, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of uh, okay. Um, long story short, it covers a, a certain uh, okay. The FBI have their their recruitment and so on, and a certain class of well, nine. They it go, it follows them through the past, the present, and the future. Uh, in the future, where the AI has taken over all the investigations and makes its own decisions about. Who is a criminal and not, and so on. So it's it kind of uh, brings into the modern age a little bit, okay. and then it all goes wrong, obviously, and so on. And they have to save the world from the AI. But it's uh, ah, it's kind of it's kind of nice to, to nice story. But yeah, uh, IMDb rating is don't know what? actually. Okay, you know. <laughs> and, and 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 the visa rate, the official visa rating is what? Uh, probably about um, eight out of ten, eight or nine, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. My pox. My pox would Ooh. be a movie called Fast X. 
It's oh. hot. Do you know it? Has it not got um, Vin Diesel in it or something? Absolutely. No, okay. Spot on, Mr. Yes. Sir. Yeah. It's part of the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh, okay. Oh, 10. It's, yes, of course. Yes, it's, it's 10, exactly. not it's, X. It's, 10, 10. Well, the official title is actually Fast X, but don't worry No, about no, it. no. This is it's, Roman. <laughs> exactly, Martin. Exactly. That's the point. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I, it's... I mean, the, sure the, movie, one, the movie is a bit long, fair enough. I think it clocks in at 5 hours, 20 minutes. Or something like that, but... <laughs> How many cars are blown up here? <laughs> About 20,364 and a half. I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, jokes aside, it's mm. it's it's your typical Fast and Furious sequel, prequel, whatever you want to call it. Mm. But the opening scene alone where they... Uh, push that bomb through Rome. It's, I mean, the special effects are just amazing. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm just wondering if I've seen this. Not, this is, I've uh, seen quite well, a few of them. Oh, it is from this year? You know, okay, no, yes, I haven't it's, seen it's it. from this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, if you're, if you're into um, action movies that don't require a <laughs> five-hour analysis with regards to the mm. deep philosophical meaning, Indeed, yeah. this is probably your movie you want to watch. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's quite interesting, it's quite entertaining, and the, and the special effects yeah. are quite amazing. Let's put it this way. With regards to the F-axis, I would probably give it a an 11 out of 10. <laughs> the storyline, okay. again, as as goes for any other Fast and Furious movie, of course, mm. is subject to debate, but it's okay. But again, the special effects really draft this movie. Okay, okay. I'll have to catch up on that one. I've seen most of yeah. them. I mean, give it a shot if you're in, if you're so inclined, because that's actually one of the one of the uh, few installments you don't want to miss. If okay. you're uh, okay. if you're into special effects, I think I've probably seen all, all the previous ones. And mm. they're, they're all quite entertaining. Yes, indeed. Very good, very good. And with that, we've come to the end of another glorious episode of something called Linux, Linux mm. in Laws. Yes, so, if, you, if, um, you, yeah. if, if you have your should... own uh, real-time Linux projects, get in touch. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. The feedback, as usual, is, is, is feedback. Actually, we don't have any feedback that we should cover, no? Oh, there was, there was something there? about some, some urgent um, thing that we had to do, but yeah, that's probably not real feedback. <laughs> um, Adam Shea or Shea Adam congratulated oh, yes. us on a hundred episode. Yes, he did. He did. Episode. So yeah. my, your, our heart, as usual, goes out to you. Yes. Thank and you. any marketing people out listening, uh, out, out, out there listening, <laughs> if you are looking for a very short-term job, <laughs> exactly. If you're looking for five minutes of employment. <laughs> The email address is is, is gig uh, sorry gigs uh, underscore marketing at linuxinvest.eu. Indeed. <laughs> Maybe we can push that to 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 ten minutes if Martin is not listening. <laughs> ah yes. <laughs> this is the Linux in-laws. You come for the knowledge, but stay for the madness. Thank, Thank you, you for listening. listening. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for their song Salute Margaret, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under CC at Chimando. 
a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts.